0: The forest is silent, but for the lull of the river. Not an insect nor beast dare make a sound in this godless place. The trees themselves are the only thing that feels living here, and yet, they feel so unnatural. It is as if they are watching you as you weave past them. You are alone, at least, you've never wished more that you were. It seems to read your mind. Or rather, she seems to read your mind. Whispers seem to rise from the misty floor. Soft at first, but they grow the further you venture through the woods. You tell yourself it's just the wind or the sound of the river. (sighs) The river, you cling tightly to it as you make your way home. You shouldn't have come out this far, or stayed out this late. Your mother had warned you countless times, and now you feel a pit in your stomach for not heeding her warnings. You keep moving despite the fear. You're letting silly ghost stories get to your head. You're 13 now, which is much too old to believe in the old legends of La Llorona. It is as if every thought beckons her near. Like a beacon, your mind guides her to where you are. She can smell your fear for miles, like a shark smells blood. The whispers begin to take form, though still faint. It is not the wind or the lull of the river flowing downhill. It is a voice. A woman's voice. Ay mis hijos, donde están mis hijos? A shiver runs down your spine. Just follow the river, you tell yourself. Follow the river and you'll be home soon. Your pace quickens. The river is your guiding light. But the faster you travel out the forest, the closer the voice reaches you. The whispers follow you like spider silk clinging to your hair. Somehow you can still hear it over the pounding of your heart. Ay, mis hijos. ¿Dónde están mis hijos? You're running now. Weaving between the tree trunks, trying to lose the voice amongst their branches. But your eyes never leave the river. It's your only chance. The voice grows now. Not a whisper, but a woman's voice, as dark and cold as the water's depths. Donde están mis hijos? You run back to the river's edge. You're so close now. You can make it just a bit further. You can see the lights of your village dancing like fireflies against the night. You can hear the people, their voices buzzing as they chat about their day. You can taste safety on the tip of your tongue like the food that's waiting on your dinner plate. Just a little further. But you are so focused on this small glimmer of hope that you do not see the jagged rocks that come up to your ankles and as they catch your foot, you feel hope leave you faster than it takes your body to hit the ground. With all your momentum plunged forward, you hit the ground hard, the rocks cutting deep into your ankle. You scream in agony, trying desperately to stand, to get away from this place, to get away from her, but it is no use. Your ankle is broken. You drag yourself to the river, Hoping the current will help you get to the village. This is your only chance now. You reach the water's edge, muffling a scream each time a root or rock touches your shattered limb. But as you near the river, a wailing like nothing you have ever heard drowns out your cries. Before you can react, a hand shoves you into the dark waters, holding you firmly beneath the surface. You scream involuntarily, but the cold river steals your voice producing only a gurgling sound. Water fills your lungs, and you begin to choke. Grasping desperately, you try to fend off the attacker. Even beneath the water you can see her, all in white a thin veil covering her face. You pull at her hair, a tangle of black locks wrapped around dead marigolds. The woman screeches and pulls you up to the surface, the wind blowing back her veil, revealing her hideous face. She is sickly pale, the color of death. And in truth, she does not have a face but for the gaping hole of a mouth. Its lips are blackened and twisted as she wails, her jagged teeth like scorched coals. She pulls you close, her breath like the inside of a crypt. She brings you in so close to her that you can smell the dead flowers in her hair, taste the salt of her ancient tears. She wraps you in an embrace, almost motherly, and whispers into your ear. Mis hijos, donde están mis hijos? Then, together, you sink beneath the surface, the water swallowing you, one Last. Time. Hello, welcome to Humble Hauntings, where ghost enthusiasts and lovers of the unknown can pull up a seat and make themselves at home. I am your host, MD McAdams, part-time shadow person, full-time supernatural seeker, and today we are diving into the age-old question, does death? really have the last word? Or do those who have passed on return to communicate with us, bringing us warnings or ill omens in a language all their own? Can the screams, knocks, and even the wailing of spirits transcend mere words? And are they enough to carry across the realms of the dead and the living? Momentum mori. Remember death. Or as most of us have often heard it, remember, you will die. The phrase itself is a reminder of the inevitability of death. We will all die one day, but are we silenced by death? Or do some of us decide to stick around because, despite passing on, we still have something to say? Communicating with the dead, seems to have always been an obsession of the living all over the world and throughout history people have longed to speak with spirits hoping to converse with lost loved ones or gain some knowledge of the afterlife in this way ghosts have always given us hope that maybe that final act isn't so final that there truly is life after death some spirits have been summoned in a seance coaxed from the other side in order for communication to be possible. But some specters, however, are more forthcoming. And it seems unnecessary to come to them. Because believe me when I say, they'll come to you. Ghosts communicate in many ways. Whispers, written words on the wall, tapping, and moving objects just to name a few. But there is another form of communication that has made a lasting impact on us and has sent more than a few shivers down our spine. Stories of screaming or wailing spirits have echoed across many different cultures. In Japan, we see two such ghosts. The Gashadokuro, a giant skeleton said to be made of the bones of people who died from starvation, is said to roam the earth just after midnight. The specter is believed to emit a loud ringing sound as a warning that it's near. If someone did not heed this warning, their head was likely to be eaten by the spirit once it crossed their path. Another vocal spirit of Japanese mythology was the Konakichiji. It is said that the Konakichiji was the spirit of an infant who had been left to die in the woods. It would lure unsuspecting folk with its desperate cries. But when someone came close enough to see the babe, they would find that it bore the face of an elderly man. If they dared to pick it up, the spirit would become so heavy that it would crush the poor individual to death. There's also the Sahireth of Welsh mythology, ghostly wraiths possessing no physical form, but instead are a disembodied moaning voice that sounds just before a person's death. The noise itself is woeful and disagreeable, similar to the moans of someone who is deathly ill. The moans will sound three times as a warning before a person passes away, growing fainter and fainter each time. It is said that the spirit can also be heard right before a shipwreck. And then, of course, there's the most well-known of the wailing spirits, the banshee. The Banshee, Woman of the Fairy Mound, An Omen of Death Itself. She is found throughout Celtic mythology, serving as a herald of demise for all the old Scottish and Irish families alike. A spirit of misfortune, she is said to appear before the death of a family member, warning of their impending doom by wailing or keening. Keening itself was an old Irish tradition performed during the funeral procession and at the burial site of the recently deceased. This form of vocal mourning and lamenting was typically carried out by one or several keening women, or the Banhuente, who were often paid for their services. Along with the wailing, physical acts of grief were often performed by the keening women, such as clapping, rocking back and forth, and kneeling. The Banshee was the queen of keening herself, her woeful cries said to be unlike anything else heard on this earth. There are many different tales when it comes to the Banshee's spectral form. Some have claimed she is the spirit of a young virgin in the family who died an untimely death and is now doomed to serve her family in the afterlife, calling each member home when their time comes. Her form is that of a young maiden but pale and melancholy, a portrait of life taken away all too soon. Some say she is a cloaked woman in a green dress, her hair long and wild, and her eyes red from her eternal weeping. Others say she is a woman all in white, her flaming red locks burning against a ghoulish complexion. The most popular portrayal of her is that of an old hag, withered and woeful, adorning a long black veil, her face twisted in grief. But one thing all the stories of the Banshee can agree on is that to hear her cry is to know that death is coming, and soon. The Banshee isn't the only wailing woman who brings ill tidings to our door. In fact, on the other side of the world, Across Latin America, and even in the southern states of the U.S., another whaling woman is said to wait for us by the river. Her name is La Llorona. The legend of La Llorona is much like a river, ever-changing and flowing across the lands she is said to wander. For generations, this spirit has haunted the minds of Hispanic children, used as a warning by parents to keep them from staying out too late. It is said that she will kidnap a child who crosses her path at night, mistaking them for her own little one. Then, just like her own little ones, they are drowned, lost to this world, swallowed by the water's depths. However her tale is told, It tends to go something like this. In a small village lived a young woman named Maria. Though she came from a poor family, Maria was the epitome of beauty and grace. So it came as a surprise to no one when one day she caught the eye of a wealthy nobleman passing through the village. At once he was taken by her loveliness and knew that he must have her. He proposed to Maria and she hastily agreed. The two were married in no time, and soon Maria bore him two children, two beautiful baby boys. But the couple's wedded bliss soon expired. The nobleman was often away traveling, and his visits home became less and less frequent. When he was home, he didn't pay Maria much mind, instead showering his affections on his two sons. Not long after, Her husband found a new lover, a younger, more beautiful woman of noble birth. Maria and her children were abandoned, left behind to fend for themselves. Heartbroken and driven mad by desperation, Maria took her children to the river and drowned them in a blind rage. But when she came to her senses and realized what she had done, It was too late. The lifeless bodies of her two sons had already been carried away by the current, lost to her forevermore. She wailed in agony and wept for the monstrous crime she had done unto her own children. Then, in one final act, Maria drowned herself in the very same river. But that would not end her misery. For the murder of her two boys... Maria was now doomed to roam the earth, searching for her children for all eternity and wailing all the while, Mis hijos, donde están mis hijos? Though the legend of La Llorona reaches back almost 600 years, the exact origin of her tale cannot be 100% determined. But, it is said that her story has been intermixed with that of Doña Marina, or La Malinche, the lover and translator for the conquistador Hernán Cortés, who conquered the Aztec Empire and claimed the lands of Mexico for Spain. She was sold to him as a slave, but quickly proved her worth as an intelligent woman and an excellent interpreter. She would later become his mistress, and the mother of his child, Martín Cortés, Considered to be the first mestizo, or person of both Spanish and indigenous Latin American descent. Some say that Cortes left La Malinche for a noble Spanish woman, and in her rage, she drowned their only son, Martin. But this is not backed up by any historical evidence. In fact, Martin Cortes lived a long life, passing away of old age in his 70s, not by drowning. Going back further into La Llorona lore, others believe she is the spirit of the Aztec goddess Chihuahua, who is said to have appeared from an Aztec temple weeping, an omen that was said to have foretold the conquest of the Spaniards and the slaughter of the indigenous people that was to come. It is said that she continues to weep to this very day. No matter how her tale is spun, One thing stays ever the same, unyielding in the changing current of the legends surrounding La Llorona. Her wail, her unwavering lament for her children and the evil she has done. From beyond the grave, she shares with us her grief and warns us of our own demise if we dare to cross her path. The woman in white has haunted our childhoods, birthed new legends, poems, and music. She has been cast upon the silver screen and has embedded herself in the very heart of haunted culture across the Americas. She has done all this with merely six little words that she's carried beyond the grave. Mis hijos. ¿Dónde están mis hijos? Thank you for joining me today at Humble Hauntings. Stick around after this word from our sponsors to journey into the heart of England where screaming skulls watch over the land and these specters refuse to be ignored. Screaming skulls are both a fascinating and mysterious myth within English lore. They are said to be the product of a ghost attaching itself to a human skull. In most cases, the spirit is bound to their home or land and will exhibit poltergeist activity when removed from where they belong. The Burton Agnes Skull is one of these famed screaming skulls. Burton Agnes Hall was built in 1598 and was the home of the three Griffith sisters. Anne, the youngest sister, was attacked by robbers near their home and beaten almost to death. Unfortunately, despite being rescued, she died five days later at home from her injuries. On her deathbed, she asked that her head be placed within the walls of Burton Agnes Hall. But this final request was ignored by her family, and soon after she was buried, the sisters began to hear strange noises in the house. Suspecting their dearly departed sister of being the culprit of the sounds, they returned to their family's burial vault to find that while the rest of her body was intact, Anne's head had been separated and placed away from her. After that, the head was taken back to Burton Agnes Hall and buried within the walls as their sister had requested. After this, the ghostly noises ceased. Another Screaming Skull legend is that of the Berescombe Skull, said to belong to a black slave by the name of Azariah Piney. Little is known of the man besides that he died under mysterious circumstances, but before he did, he requested that his remains be sent back to his homeland in the West Indies. But this request was denied, and Azariah was buried in a local cemetery. Soon after, screaming was heard coming from his grave, and any attempt to bury him against his wishes was met with the same angry screeches. His remains were brought back to the Betiscombe Manor, where it is said now, only his skull remains. Out of all the stories of the screaming skulls, the Tunstead Farm Skull is the most well known. The skull, nicknamed Dickie, was kept on the farm, though none can say who it belonged to in life. The skull is said to be a guardian of the house and farm, making noises whenever a trespasser is on the property. It is even said that Dickie, much like the Banshees of Celtic mythology, Warn of family members' impending deaths. The dead speak. Their communication with the living realm ranges from mere tapping to fully formed words to the wails and laments we associate with ill omens. Though most try to find a reasonable explanation for these occurrences, some things just can't be explained. And the ghostly dialect of the dearly departed is anything but a dead language. Thank you for joining me today at Humble Hauntings, a place that paranormal enthusiasts can always call home. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and share with your friends. When it comes to ghostly ventures, The more, the merrier. But until next time, my spookables, remember, home is where the haunt is.